Well, I'll say again, I'm going to do my best to try to follow the Lord. Uh, I prayed about if the Lord wanted me to preach an occasional sermon, a sermon about marriage, and that's not what he had for me to preach. Instead, he has a message about mental health. Might seem like weird timing. Let me, uh, I don't want you to raise your hand, but let me just ask you to begin with, have any of you ever dealt with, quote, mental health issues? Has anybody here ever struggled with depression or anxiety or some other name of things that you struggle with? If you have, I really want you to listen. Uh, This is a message that God has really burdened me with, and I'm trying to feel after Him and make sure that I start the right way. In some ways, we live in the hardest time to be alive. This epoch of time. In some ways, it's the best time to be alive. A wise old man once told me, he was a World War II veteran, I said, if you could live any time in history, when would you live? And I was in my 20s, I was thinking, you know, the 50s were the good old days, and I thought he would say something like that. And he just said, well, right now, of course. (laughs) Like, it's all there is. There's wisdom in that. But I don't think anybody who has their eyes open would say that we live in a time without its challenges. We live in a time of frenetic activity and continual distraction and constant pressures. We live in a time where people struggle mentally and psychologically and they may not even know why. And it's beyond, uh, you just need to change your attitude. That's a small factor. And I believe in having a good outlook. And We live in a challenging time, we also live in a wonderful time, but the things that we face and what God has burdened me to preach today, it's deeper than just having a better attitude. If just having a better attitude could fix everything, you wouldn't need a Savior. You just have a just do a paradigm shift. You'd be all better. It doesn't always work. And it's only one small tool in a whole bag of tools that the Lord wants us to have. And uh, the greatest asset is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to try to talk about all that today. Um, Romans 12 is where I'll read. Verse 2. As you're turning there, I want to pray because I need the Lord to give me laser focus and take away every distraction I might have. Lord Jesus, God, we come before you, Holy Spirit. We've got a lot going on today. We're excited about the wedding later. We're excited about the food later. Some of us might be worried about the week later. But God, through your power, take away all of that. Help us to be right here, right now. Come, Holy Spirit, use me. Because if this message wasn't necessary, you wouldn't have given it to me. Lord, we live in a broken world. There's no doubt about that. And we need your healing. We also need your truth. So help me proclaim your truth with your power, your wisdom, and your strength. And none of my own ideas, thoughts, or anything. In Jesus' name, open our hearts, open our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 12, 2, familiar verse. Maybe you've never heard it preached in this context. 
Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This verse and this chapter, if you understand it through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, is a cure for mental health problems. I don't say that lightly. I mentioned already, God's given me a message today that if you'll listen to me and if He'll help me, it'll be a message of deliverance for those who suffer psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Let me say right up front, I don't want anybody to say I said something I didn't say. Don't run away from here if you're on antidepressants and quit taking them all of a sudden. Don't do that. I'm not, I'm not um, giving a medical prescription I'm going to try to preach what God put on my heart. But He can help you, is what I'm saying. If you've ever been told you have anxiety or depression or a depressive disorder or some sort of mental health disorder, I want you to listen. If you're online listening, you're at home, there may be people listening to this message who aren't able to go into public. There's still, we don't, maybe some of us don't realize, there are people who aren't able to go be around crowds. It, it affects them in such a way it's not possible. And there might be people here today who it's all you can stand to just be here. It's okay. It's okay if you feel that way, okay? Maybe you haven't had anybody tell you that lately. I'm okay, sweetie. I'm just emotional today. You don't have to worry. See, I got a tender-hearted little daughter God gave me to remind me how he loves. But I'm okay, okay? I want you to know this too. If you've struggled with uh, addiction, God can deliver you from that. And now some of you are thinking about alcohol and drugs. There's people in here who are destroying your life with food. God can deliver you from that. If you've struggled with lack of self-discipline, listen to this message. You say, what in the world are you talking about? What is anxiety? Let me tell you what I feel like anxiety is. And I, Until I was around 30, I, did, I had no conception for what this was. Never felt it. I know what it was. Here's how I would describe it. When you wake up with a sense of dread, and you have no idea why. Heaviness in your chest and difficulty breathing. When you feel paralyzed... In a, unable to act and you have no idea why, when you feel like you can't handle even one more thing, even if those aren't the thoughts in your head, but they're the feelings in your body. That's something like anxiety. I know what that feels like now. Maybe some of you have dealt with something different than that. Maybe you'd call it depression, feelings like you can't continue, like you can't go on, like... Um, it doesn't really matter because nothing matters. And maybe these aren't thoughts in your heads, but deep-seated something inside of here. Can any of you relate to that? You don't have to say yes, but I hope you're at least interacting from your heart. Oftentimes, I want you to hear this, we approach things involving mental health with a sort of skepticism or like it was just a simple fix. And religious people are really bad about this. 
I grew up in a family where my spiritual mentor viewed all things mental health as black magic. Listen, going to a counselor is not the same thing as going to a witch doctor or a, or a, a soothsayer. Or, right? If you need help, you might need help, and that's okay. I want you to hear that. Let me give you some examples of how religion doesn't address this issue and doesn't provide scriptural solutions. Well, you'd feel better if you just let go. Any of you ever said things like that? I'm ashamed to say I have. You're, just let go. Just quit worrying. Why don't you just not eat that thing you know you shouldn't eat? Why don't you just not go to that? Look, it's not that easy. Or I've heard some people say, well, you just need more faith. If you had more faith, you'd be fine. Or I've said this, and I believe it with all my heart. Faith is the antidote to fear. You can't be consumed with fear in the presence of true faith. That's true. All of these things are theologically accurate. But without something else with it, they're not practically applicable. You tell somebody that, it doesn't help them. Because it doesn't tell them what to do. Well, you just need to have faith. Well, they already know that. If they could just have faith, they'd be okay. Let me put it in perspective. Uh, Maybe you've struggled with your weight. And people have said, well, it's just about calories. Calories in, calories out. All you need to do is have a calorie deficit and you'll be fine. Some of y'all know that's It's not that simple. There could be deeper things. You know, science now is, is showing that there could be something on a mitochondrial level. It's not that simple as, well, just eat a little bit less and you'll be fine. It's deeper than that. And with all of these issues, whether it's mental health, whether it's uh, physical health, whether it's a food addiction or an alcohol addiction or some other type of addiction, whatever the weakness is, we as God's people need to get away from thinking that we know the quick solution and instead have enough humility to understand that that person is going through something that they can't get a handle on. And that doesn't make them um, weak in God's eyes. It makes them human. Listen, friend... If sometimes you say to yourself, I can't seem to make myself do what I know I should. I know what I should do, but I can't make myself do it. I know I need to lose weight, but I still eat those biscuits or those chips or those cookies. I know I need to to have more faith, but I can't stop worrying. If you know what you should do and you can't make yourself do it, you're in good company. The Apostle Paul felt the same way. And I don't say this as an excuse, I say it as a reality. Not even as a false encouragement, as a simple reality of truth. If you're human, you're going to have some struggles. And that's okay. There is a help. Paul said, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I do it, but sin that dwells in me. And have you ever felt, do you relate to that? Oh, I do. There are some things in my life I feel like I have a pretty good handle on. 
And there are some things, if God doesn't help me, I, I have no handle on. Are any of you honest enough to admit that you know what I'm talking about? This message for me, and God does this often. He burdens me to preach a message, and there's no way to deliver it without it also being deeply personal. I'm preaching to myself first, and then to y'all. I've been struggling lately. I tell you that not to bring attention to myself, but to tell you I know what I'm talking about. My wife will tell you, sometimes I lay in bed trying to breathe. Say, well, pastor, why don't you just have more faith? For all you know, I might have more faith than you do. Maybe it's not something my brain is doing. Maybe it's something biological. Maybe it's something... See, here's what I'm saying. We need to have enough humility to recognize that every person is spiritual, emotional, psychological, biological, and then we're all inside an environment that also has input. You may not know why that person's struggling. You may not know why you're struggling. You know who does? Our Heavenly Father. And He can help you. Here's what I'm trying to say with all that. And here's what I'm going to try to do today. We've not been conditioned to preach an unattainable ideal. But rather, we've been given eternal life and have been entrusted with preaching the good news of that eternal life to the world and living in light of the life that we already have. So, with that uh, in line, let me get into what I would call principles of mental health according to Scripture. Or, let let me use a Bible way of saying it. How do you actually renew your mind? The verse that I opened up with, and we're going to look at that with some more detail, but the verse I opened up with says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Y'all have heard that. Some of you have heard it your whole life. Some of you have preached it. How do you actually do it? Have you ever heard any preacher explain, Here's how you renew your mind. They just say it and and go on, myself too. I want us to look at that passage, look at some of the Greek words, because it's going to help you understand what the Lord meant and how He can help us. First of all, be not conformed. The word conformed, the Greek word is syskematizo, which means, listen to this, to fashion yourself according to someone else's image. Don't be conformed to this world. He is saying, do not fashion yourself according to someone else's image. Don't be conformed to someone else's idea of what you should be. Especially society. God has created you and called you to be a certain thing. Do not do what the enemy wants. Don't fashion yourself according to... And by the way, this this verse is only used twice in the New Testament. uh, Right here and, and only one other place. And in both places, this is exactly what it means. Fashioning yourself according to someone else's image. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you all know what that transformed means? It's used four times in the New Testament. It's the Greek word metamorpho. It's where we get our word metamorphosis. It's not just um, changing temporarily. This is being transfigured. This is being changed into something else. 
When he says be transformed by the renewing of your mind, it means to change into another form. God can actually make you something different than you are. I love that song that talks about one day I'm going to be changed from this creature that I am. That's true. But through the Holy Spirit, He can transform or transfigure you right now. You don't have to wait until you die and get your resurrected body. Do you understand? I don't hear this kind of thing preached on much, but it's true. Let me show you all four verses where this is used. Jesus was transfigured before them, and His face did shine as the sun, and His raiment was as white as light. Transfigured. Same word here that says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Is used of Jesus being transfigured. He is changed literally. They can see a resplendent glory of God. He's different. God can do that to you. The next way that's used, that next verse. After six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter, James, John, and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Romans 12, 2 is where it's used. I already read that. And then the final place it's used in the New Testament. I love this one. We all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed, transformed, transfigured into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Do you re- that should give us such relief. You can be changed into the likeness of the image of God. I don't mean that in some kind of pagan way. I mean it in a scriptural way. God can actually make you look more like Jesus. And don't you think your life will be better when that happens? Don't you think your anxiety will be relieved and your depression will be subsided and your worry will go away? When that happens, none of that stuff's there. And I'm speaking to you, as I said, not as somebody who's arrived, but as somebody who's been struggling with this. It doesn't make it any less true. So with that in mind, with the understanding scripturally that we can be transformed, transfigured, that we can be metamorphed into something God can use, I want to give you seven principles of how you actually renew your mind. Principles of mental health. Here's the first one. And some of you, this is maybe the only thing you're even able to hear. You can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. And that doesn't make you weak. It makes you honest. And it makes you human. In this verse, Romans 12, 2, we see, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That renewing is used here, and it's used one other place. The other place that it's used in the New Testament is Titus 3.5. Listen to this. Not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Spirit. If some of you thought Romans 12.2 means you need to straighten your life out, you don't understand what the renewing of your mind is. The renewing comes through the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. You can't, you, you can't do it on your own. Just like you couldn't be saved on your own, you can't fix yourself on your own. Are there wise tendencies, tactics, ways you should live? Yes, and I'll mention some of those. But you can't do it. You can't cure yourself. You can't renew your own mind 
When he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, this is not a matter of self-sanctification. It's not a matter of, if, if I'll just stop doing this particular activity, then I'll be fine. It's deeper than that. You can't renew your own mind. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. You need something you can't produce on your own. Here's what I want you to hear. It's okay to get help. It's okay to need help. It's okay. Because you are so complex. You're created in the image of God. God is beyond our comprehension, our understanding. He's infinite. And the very idea that some doctor thinks they can cure something with one pill, it's insulting. It's absurd. We are too complex to just throw a pill at something and everything's fine. They don't address the spiritual issues. They don't address the dietary issues when they do that. They don't address environmental issues. They don't address lifestyle changes. Oh, you're sad? Take this pill. I mentioned this already. We're, we're complex human beings. Biological, psychological, emotional, spiritual. And then there's the environmental things. All of this together. It's multifactorial. It's okay. Here's the next point. The first point was you can't do it alone. The next point. This one's hard for me, personally. Maybe it's hard for some of you. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. You don't have to always be on. You don't have to always be the person someone else can rely on. You don't have to always be the go-to for everybody else. You don't always have to be the dependable one. It's okay not to be okay. You know what? You don't even, you maybe remember this from last week. You don't even always have to be on time. (laughs) Sometimes I allow myself to be late. It's okay. This will take it even deeper. Even Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, no faith exists without Jesus. Even Jesus had times of physical weakness, emotional exhaustion, and the excruciating pain of his human existence. Do you understand? I don't think sometimes us church people make Jesus real. If he was... If Scripture's accurate, and I believe it is, if the Hebrew letter, which says, he was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin, if that's true, then he was fully human. And if he was fully human, he experienced weakness. He experienced the end of himself. He experienced what it was like to not be able to go on without strength from somewhere else. And in fact, that's what he taught. He drew strength from his Father. We think about Jesus as God in the flesh, which is also true. But for him to understand what it was like to be human, he had to lay aside that power and live like one of... You understand that? He got his power from God just like we can. There were times Jesus wasn't okay. I'm surprised there's no amens about that. Maybe you don't understand what Jesus was like. There were times he wasn't okay. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. 
that just, it doesn't sound like much because we've heard it in our own life and it's in sort of a weird language, but he was saying, if there's any other way, I don't know if I can do this. But if you'll help me, I will. You ever felt that way? It doesn't make you weak, it makes you human. And if your Savior felt that way, it's okay for you to feel that way. You don't want to live your whole life that way. There is victory. But if you have moments that are like that, take it to Christ. He understands. It's okay not to be okay. There were times that Jesus, I want to make this point too, there were times that he was unable to continue in his own strength. Why do you think he abandoned the crowds and went off in the mountains and on a boat all the time? Because it was too much for his flesh to handle. And something that I've tried to understand, I've tried to give myself permission, I struggle with it. As a pastor, even of a small church, sometimes it's more important, even for your health, for me to be with God than to call you on the phone or visit you at the hospital. Sometimes I can't do both. Just like Jesus couldn't heal everybody. There were times that he was emptied of strength and had to get away from them and be with his father. And that's okay. The third point. I have seven points, by the way, so don't, don't worry about the time. We'll be, we'll be right on time. And the food's already here, so we don't have to worry about that. You can't do it alone. It's okay not to be okay. The third point, and some of you, maybe there's somebody here, maybe there's somebody listening who really needs to hear this one. It's okay to not really even know what's wrong with you. Do you know that? I always hesitate or, or try to know how, how personal to be because it's not about me, but I think I should say this. I uh, had follow-up blood work with my doctor and she looked at it like alarmed. And she said, I don't understand this. You're not 800 pounds. I'm, I'm quoting verbatim. She said, you're not 800 pounds. Your blood work shouldn't look like this. Why are you so stressed? That's what she told me. And she said, uh, if your stomach starts hurting, go to the ER because it could be pancreatitis from your blood work. And so I said, well, that's not surprising because I feel like I can't even breathe lately. And I told my wife, here's, I'm, I'm illustrating this third point. It's okay not to know what's wrong. I, I told her, I said, I don't even know how to describe how I feel. I feel, not in my mind, these aren't thoughts. I feel in here, in my chest, like I would feel if somebody broke into my house and I didn't know which room they were in. That, that's how it feels right here. I feel paranoid, but there's no paranoid thoughts. So this isn't like something I'm thinking myself into. It's deeper. I still don't know exactly what's been wrong. I still don't know exactly how to fix it. I'm trying to do some things the doctor told me. I'm trying to do some things the Lord told me. I'm trying to do things the Holy Spirit is right now in this moment revealing to me by being honest with y'all because maybe some of you need to hear this to be able to have your own relief. It's okay not to know what's wrong. See, listen to this. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? You know who said that? 
the psalmist David, he went through periods in his life, the man after God's own heart, where he said, I don't even know what's wrong with me. Let me put that in modern language. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? That's what he said. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? Why is there so much turmoil inside of you? You ever had times in your life where you felt that way and had no idea why? Here's the, the relief to you if you feel that way. God doesn't expect you to figure out everything in your own strength and your own mind. You don't have to figure out what's wrong with you. In fact, I'm not sure He ever expects us to figure it out. When you feel off, listen to me. If you've dealt with mental health issues, if you've dealt with anxiety, whether it's a diagnosis or not, if you feel like there's been moments where life was difficult, where you didn't know if you could go to work that day or go to church that day, or things just felt like too much, I don't think I can talk to one more person. That doesn't necessarily make you selfish. It makes you in need. It makes you broken. You need healing. If you've ever felt that way, if you've ever felt off, when you know something isn't right, when you feel your heart is in turmoil, when you feel anxious and you don't even know why, when you're overwhelmed with sadness, the first step, listen, the first step is not to figure out why you feel that way. That's not the first step. The first step is to go to Jesus. That's my fourth point. Let me repeat them. You can't do it alone. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to know what's wrong. The fourth point, you can go to the Lord right now. Whatever you're struggling with, do you know how many people are deceived by the enemy that they can't seek the Lord for salvation or even as safe people for relief because they need to get to a certain place first? How many people have you had tell you, I've had people tell me this, I need to get back in church, but I've got to straighten my life out first. They've got it backwards. Get back in church so the Lord can work on you so He can straighten your life out. And by the way, He can do that without church too. But this is a, a, the means He has ordained to help us. His body, His ecclesia. You can go to the Lord right now. You don't have to figure it out first. You don't have to find out what's wrong. You don't have to know exactly what burden you're carrying. God gave me this beautiful image. See, sometimes we think, I'm carrying around something heavy. I don't know what it is. Let me look inside the bag and see what's there and then try to figure out which ones shouldn't be there. We have this bag of burdens on our back. You know what the Lord says? Bring me every burden. Bring me every care. You know what you can do when you feel overwhelmed and you don't know why? You feel broken and you don't know why? You feel sad and you don't know why? You go to Jesus. I'm carrying around this bag of burdens. You know what he'll do? He'll unpack it for you. And he'll pick up the one or two things out of the hundreds or thousands of things that he meant for you to carry. Because he says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. If your burden that you're carrying feels heavy, it's not from God. He says, my burden is light. If what you're carrying feels heavy, throw it at your feet. You don't have to unpack it first. He says, my burden is light. If your life feels like too much, too much. I feel that way a lot. Too much, too much. You know what? I'm carrying something I'm not supposed to be carrying. 
I'm worrying about one of y'all in a way that I'm not supposed to be worrying about it. I'm trying to fix something I'm not supposed to be fixing. I'm trying to handle something I'm not supposed to be handling. I may be worrying about tomorrow. You know what Corey Ten Boom said? Worrying about tomorrow is like uh, using the strength of today to carry tomorrow's burdens. Then you carry them with the strength of today, both days' burdens. It's not possible. Throw that bag of burdens at the feet of Jesus. The fifth point. If some of you uh, read success or self-help books, you'll recognize this wording. And that's okay, because he got the wording from a spiritual principle. Put first things first. Put first things first. Figure out, actually, the more accurate term would be discern. Discern what matters the most and then prioritize that. This is one of the cures to mental health problems. Figure out what matters most and prioritize that. Let me, let me be honest with you all. Sometimes I don't answer the phone when one of you call me. Because I don't have anything left in me that moment. I see it. I say, I can't do it right now. Do you know that? And guess what? It's okay. I need to say that out loud. It's okay for me to call you back the next day. It's okay for you to call somebody back the next day or three days later when you can. That's okay. Because part of that, put first things first... If I'm in a place in my life, or if you're in a place in your life where you can barely function, where you're not living effectively, where you're not living with the fullness of joy that God offers, then you need to get focused on Him. The only way I can help you as your pastor, the only way I can love my wife as her husband, the only way I can raise my child as her daddy, is if I put first things first. The best way I can help anybody else is to focus and spend time with the Lord first, no matter what that means. I don't do it often enough, but sometimes that means, sometimes my wife is wise enough to tell me, you need to go get in your kayak and float on the lake. See you later. You know what? I come back a little easier to be around. That's okay. Jesus got in a boat all the time. Put first things first. Figure out, or again, discern what matters most. Prioritize that above all else. Scripture's already given us the answer to this question. You don't have to figure out. Say, well, I don't know what matters most. Let me make it easy for you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Prioritize what matters most. What matters most is God and what He wants. So don't worry about it. Another simple scripture, if we would just latch on to, our lives would be a whole lot easier. Micah 6, 8. Y'all know this one? He's told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Say, I don't know what I should do with my life. I don't know what you should do with your life specifically either. God has to reveal that, by the way, moment by moment. We want Him to reveal it like uh, a career identity. I'm supposed to be a barber. I'm supposed to be a fireman. No, 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 it's deeper than that. In the moment, today, because this is... All, by the way, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. That's part of the cure to this mental health issues. Are you focused on this moment? Because there is nothing else. Because when you're at the other moment you're worried about, it's going to be this moment. He's told you. 
What to do? What is good? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. Man, that's a simple recipe for life. You know the people that I most enjoy being around? That's how they live. The people who feed my soul, that's how they live. They have a general kindness. They have a general sense of right that comes from God, not from their own ideas. And they have a general sense of humility. You know humble people are happier because they realize they can't do it on their own? Arrogant people, they're not happy people. It's always a competition. Walk humbly before your God. The sixth point, I have two more points. The sixth point, be a single-minded follower of Jesus. This is a good scriptural and spiritual principle in general, but we're talking today about your mind, your mental health. It will help your mental health if you are a single-minded follower of Jesus Christ. Part of what's wrong with Christians, I believe, is we haven't decided if we want to be all in or not. We're doing the splits between the world and heaven all the time. And I don't know how flexible y'all are, but that makes you sore. You can't do much while you're doing the splits. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny, but literally. Like, you can't walk. You can't go anywhere. You go a little lower, you're actually going to hurt. It's, it's hard to, to, to live life while you're doing the splits. And a lot, let me be honest, some of you are living in spiritual splits all the time, and that's why you're miserable. I'm not saying that pointing fingers. I'm saying sometimes it's true about me too. Quit. God didn't design you to stay in the splits. Stop it. Stop standing one foot in the world, one foot in the Lord's things. James 1 says this, Let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he will receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Y'all met people like that? I have. I hope you haven't been people like that, but if you have, God can help. Double-minded. Don't be double-minded. Listen, you can't serve God and mammon. Jesus said that so beautifully. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye is single, thy whole body will be full of light. But if thine eye is evil, thy whole body will be full of darkness. He says, if therefore the light that is in thee be dark, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You want to be miserable? Try to serve two masters. Try to serve the world and God. Try to, try to chase money and God. It won't work. I'm not saying God won't bless you. He may bless some of you with great material wealth, but if He does, it'll be because you don't care about it. Because it doesn't matter. Because it's just a tool. There's very few people who actually feel that way. Along with not serving God and mammon, I want to remind you of this. This has to do with being a single-minded follower of Jesus. Nothing matters without love. Listen to me. Nothing matters without love. The Apostle Paul, he said, if I give my body to be burned, if I die a martyr's death and don't have love, it profits me nothing. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if it's not motivated by love, it profits me nothing. Listen, nothing matters without love. You want to be a better servant of God? You want to be a happier person? Become more loving. The only way you can do that is by spending more time with Him. Here's some practical advice, especially for the young people. You old people, y'all are, y'all are uh, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, I mean that the elderly people, but 
y'all are, you're set in your ways. You're going to do what you want to. You're probably maybe not going to change at this point. So let me talk to the young ones for a minute. I want to give you some practical advice that will help your mental well-being. Okay? Don't do things that are bad for you. And if you do bad things, things that are bad for you, I mean bad for your body or your brain, don't do things that are bad for you. And if you do, don't do them too often. That's the most practical, sincere advice I can give you. Don't, just don't do things that are bad for you. Say, what are you talking about? Don't live like the world. Here's part of it. Don't eat too much sugar. Don't eat too much processed food. Don't drink too much alcohol. Some of you say, well, you shouldn't drink any at all. That'd probably be better. Did you know alcohol is it's actually a neurotoxin? You may not know that. It's actually poisonous. So it is impossible to drink alcohol without it having a detrimental effect on your brain. That's proven by science. And scripture already gave us advice about that long before. I want to tell you, this will apply to the older ones as well. Be careful with substances in general. Not just alcohol. Be careful with substances. Whether or not they're legal. You need to be careful with substances even if your doctor gave it to you. Be careful. You know most drug addicts were caused by doctors? You know that? That's not my opinion. It's, it's fact. And some of the worst drugs in the world come out of pharmacies. Be careful. I'm not telling you. I'm not, I'm not a licensed medical professional. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm saying be careful. You want to have a sound mind? Be careful what you put in it. Be careful in general with excess, whether or not it's culturally acceptable. Listen, I'm from the South. I'm a Baptist. I love to eat. We've already mentioned that. Some of us like to go to this pizza buffet up the road, which is not even that good, but we feel like we get our money's worth because we eat 15 plates of pizza. If you want to do that sometimes, my own opinion, okay. But don't do it all the time. It's not wise. It might be wise to do it a whole lot less than you do. Be careful with excess. We, we, we dismiss some of these things just because they're culturally acceptable. Live thankfully, live joyfully, but recognize that the pleasure of your flesh is not ultimately why you exist. You want to be happy? Get away from trying to make yourself happy. The only way to have like, lasting happiness is to stop focusing on giving this messed up body whatever it wants, whenever it wants it, because it doesn't know what it needs. It's depraved, it's broken, and it will make you destroy yourself. Your body doesn't have uh, self-control. Your body doesn't have limitations. Your body doesn't have any sense. That comes through the sanctified mind that, that the Holy Spirit gives you. He lets you know what's acceptable and good and what you should do. And let me say this. Even if it's legally permissible, if the Holy Spirit has let you know something's not good for you, don't do it. This all has to do with being a follower of Jesus. Depending on the situation or context. Listen, some of you, if you if you're struggle with depression, the best thing you could do is to do something for somebody else. Some of you, if you're struggling with anxiety, maybe the best thing you could do is say no. In that moment, even if it's just no inside of your own self. No, I can't do that. No, I can't have one more responsibility right now. Can't do it. 
Because quietness and stillness is the best cure for anxiety. The final point, and again, this this comes from Stephen Covey, the wording, but the idea is biblical. Begin with the end in mind. I love this. Look, you already know the outcome of your life. I'm talking to saved children of God. If you've been saved by the grace of God, you already know what's going to happen. You're going to die and you're going to go to heaven. And if you can latch on to that, then everything else in life sort of feels like, so what? Really? Like, if you really understand, I am going to be separated from this body and this world, and I'm going to be with the Lord where there's no pain, suffering, problems, tears, sadness, sorrow, distraction, none of it. If you understand that, then what is this little temper? You ever looked at a tombstone? There's the birth date the death year, and a dash in between. We spend so much time worried about that little dash. You know what? If you think about the end, if you begin with the end in mind, that little dash will start to appear more as what it is. Very small. Very little. It doesn't matter. Now, is there a way we should live? Absolutely. Should we live with purpose? Absolutely. But what I'm trying to tell you, if you understand the end, you already know the future. Whatever happens in this life pales in comparison to the eternity on the other side of those two dates. That should give us some perspective. So let me repeat these points because God put this in my heart to be a practical help to you, not just a theological like adventure. I want it to actually help people who are struggling. And I'll finish this way. You can't do it alone. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to know exactly what's wrong. You can get help from the Lord right now. Put first things first. Be a single-minded follower of Jesus and begin with the end in mind. Or you already know the outcome. Amen? I don't ever ask you all to amen, but does this help you? It helps me. You know what? Can I be honest with you again? This morning I woke up and I could breathe for the first time in a while. Still pray for me. I'm still struggling. There's still some, I got to fix some things like biologically and in my blood work. And, but God can help with that. He can help you. He can help. Do you under, he has the power to deliver you. And I've talked mainly to, to saved people today. And I want you, if you've never been saved by the grace of God, if you're here or you're listening online or on the recording later, here's what I want you to realize. Like, Wow, those people are real. Like, these saved people, these people, like, they struggle just like I do. That's what I want you to realize. And here's the thing. We serve a living God who continually helps us. He didn't just save us and now we never struggle again. He helps us every moment we need it. Praise His holy name. Let's end this message and then follow the Lord. But I, I want to just conclude this message by thanking Him. If you want to make a joyful noise, if you want to clap, if you want to say thank you out loud, whatever you feel like. Because God has given me relief from myself. And I praise Him. Lord, I thank You, God. Thank You. Thank You. Thank You. Thank You. Thank You. Lord, we don't need to be afraid to thank You, God. I don't know where I'd be without You. Lord, why are you so good? I don't know, but you are. I love you. 
Listen, God can free you. He can free you from everything. All of us, saved, lost alike. I don't even know what to do now, but uh, let's follow the Lord.